Welcome to the Word Podcast. The Lord God has given us His Word. Let us learn it. Let us live it. Let us rejoice in it. Spread the Word. Blessings, everybody. This is Dale. Thank you so much for joining with me today on the Word Podcast. We're going to go back to where we've been in the last many, many episodes in 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy in the sixth chapter. And let me just remind you what we saw the last time we were together. Uh, There were two sentences, two verses, and we were told to flee certain things and to fight the faith. So here's what it says in verse 11, 1 Timothy chapter 6. But flee from these things, you man of God, and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called, and you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. So we see that we're to flee these evil things. We're to pursue certain things, righteousness, godliness, faith, love, perseverance, gentleness. We're in a fight, folks. He says, fight the good fight of faith. You know, fight often has a negative connotation. But he says, no, the life of faith is a fight. Well, what are we fighting against? (laughs) We're fighting against the things of the world. We're fighting against the things of the enemy. We're fighting against the flesh and the things within the soulish realm where we can sit there and say, oh, I want to do this rather than what the Lord wants to do. So he says, fight this good fight of faith and take hold. It's a very, very aggressive thing, okay? Take hold of the eternal life to which you are called. We're called to eternal life. If a true believer, you have eternal life, but you need to take hold of it. You can choose not to walk within that life and you can turn and walk in death. Now, I'm not talking about from the point of view of quote unquote losing your salvation, but I'm talking about the fight of faith. Okay, So take hold of the life that we have. In verse 13, Paul continues on. He says this, I charge you in the presence of God. And so he's given another charge to Timothy. And, you know, sometimes people say, well, this was just a Timothy. This really doesn't apply to us. Well, I think it does apply to us. Why do I think that? Well, because the Lord put it in his word. Okay, he put it in his word, and it's for us to understand and see. And we're going to see that later on in this second writing, that all scripture is profitable, right? So he says, I charge you in the presence of God who gives life to all things, and of Christ Jesus. So this charge, he says, I'm, I'm charging you in the presence of God, and I'm charging you in the presence of Christ Jesus. God, who gives life to all things. So he's speaking of the Father here, that the Father gives life to all things, and of Christ Jesus. And then he's going to give a lot of detail about Christ Jesus. So I want you to see the big picture here before you get lost in these details. So he says, I'm charging you. I'm charging you in the presence of God. In other words, this is the word of the Lord. The Lord is with me. The Lord is with you. He's the one who gives life to all. I charge you in the presence of Christ Jesus who did this, who testified the good confession before Pontius Pilate. So he's showing what the Lord did, that he testified, that he fought the good faith, that he fled from these things, that he pursued the righteousness, that the Lord is a model for us in these things. So the Lord Jesus Christ, who testified the good confession before Pontius Pilate, even though the Lord knew that it was about to cost him his life, he still spoke forth the truth to Pilate. Then verse 14, that you keep the commandment without stain or reproach 
until, and we'll get to this in just a moment. So he's telling him, you keep this commandment. You keep the commandment of the good gospel. You keep the commandment of the word. Everything that he's been saying right here in this letter in relationship to those who want to come along and, and have another doctrine, another gospel. No, no, no. You keep the true commandment and do so without stain or reproach, without there being any sin. How long do we do that? Until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is how long we do this. This is how long we press in. This is how long we press on. Ephesians 4 gives some insight into that. That uh, the things that are happening in Ephesians 4 with the gifted individuals that equip the saints for the work of the service, that they do that to such a time that we adhere, attain to the fullness of Christ. Okay? A lot of times we sit there and say, well, we've already got this, we've got that. The big thing out of most of our background is this. People say, well, we have the Word of God now, and since we have the Bible in its totality, we don't need these other things that the first century church needed, particularly these uh, sort of weird, supernatural type of giftedness. Those things sort of died away at the first century. That's what people literally say. That's what they believe. That's what they write voluminous books about. Okay, voluminous books about trying to defend. And the scripture simply does not say that. What it says is basic foundational stuff. You keep the commandment. You keep the truth of the doctrine until the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he builds on this a little bit. Verse 15, which he will bring about at the proper time. He who is the blessed and only sovereign, the king of kings and the Lord of lords, who alone possesses immortality and dwells in an unapproachable light, whom no man has seen or can see. To him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. So you have this little doxology thing right here that, that Paul launches in. And quite often, you can get lost in the sea of pronouns. Like, who's he talking about? Well, he's saying, keep this commandment until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he will bring about at the proper time. The appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ will be brought about when he brings it about at the proper time. Who's the he? Okay. Who is the he? Well, sometimes people say, oh, well, that's the Lord Jesus Christ because he's coming again at the proper time. Others will say, well, it's the Father. I think in light of what's being said right here is the Father. Why is that? Well, he will bring about it at the proper time. The Lord does not know the day nor the hour. He said that when the end's going to come. He said, but only the Father knows. And the Father will tell the Lord Jesus, now's the time. Okay? And he's going to bring it about at the proper time. But then the descriptors here for he, he who is blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. And you say, well, that applies to Jesus too. Yes, it does. Because that wonderful triune nature understanding of who God is, Father, Son, and Spirit, one, three persons, for lack of a better term, as one. Even that communicates some things which are problematic sometimes, okay? It is God manifesting himself as he desires. He's the only sovereign. He's the only king. But here's the kicker here in verse 16. Who alone possesses immortality and dwells in unapproachable light whom no man has seen or can see, to him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. See, it's the Father who possesses immortality. It's the Father that no man has seen or can see. Man has seen the Son. Okay, We have seen the Son. Uh, when he took on the form of flesh, definitely. But uh, back in the Old Testament with what we call uh, Christophanes and Theophanes, where the Lord appeared, 
He appeared to Abraham, for instance, okay? And he appeared in bodily fashion. That wasn't God the Father. That was God the Son. That's the reason we call it Christophany, an appearance of Christ pre-incarnate before he took on uh, the body and came to die for the sins of man. So what he's saying is here is that Father is the one that at the proper time will tell the Son to come. And the, the Father is the one who's blessed and only sovereign God, the King of kings, who possesses immortality and dwells in this light, and nobody's sinning. He's saying this, I charge you in the presence of this God, the one who gives life, and in the presence of Jesus Christ, who testified to give faith, I charge you to keep the commandment. That's the bottom line, because you can get sort of lost in all this, right? Like, oh, what was the charge? To keep the commandment without sin, without stain or approach. To keep what the Lord has instructed you, you with, to keep the doctrine, to keep the life that he's granted to you. We see all sorts of instructions where we have roles and responsibility to live these things out. The rest of what he says right here are just wonderful insights to who the Father is and who the Son is. What are we to do? We are to keep the commandment. So that's the question that you must ask yourself before the Most High God. Are you keeping that which the Lord has instructed, commanded, and what he's granted to you? Again, I'm Dale, and I'll see you again next time. Goodbye.